And welcome into Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR Kutztown. Jack High, Mitchell Smedley here on this Friday afternoon here in Super Bowl week. So much to talk about. We'll get to the NFL first. Uh, we have some MLB talk on for you. A lot to get to here today as we get you prepared for the weekend. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch, great to be with you as always. Yeah, great to see you, Jack. Uh, nice Friday afternoon. It's a little warmer than uh, is expected this time of year. I'm liking the 50s. I'm liking the 50s after the 30s and 20s. That that feels good. Feels good. Still a little cold, but it feels good. So good weather here in early February. Um, I absolutely would agree with you with that, man. It is nice to just go outside and not be completely freezing. You're the one all winter long that was like, this is good weather. I like this weather. When it was 32 degrees out. So I don't want to hear it from you. This is my time to shine. This is my time. You were complaining about this at the end of last semester. What? You were complaining about this weather at the end of last semester. Yeah, I hate the 50s. I hate the 50s. It's improvement upon the 30s, though. I'm seeing progress, you know. Mitch hates the weather unless it's like over 80 degrees No, I like 72 and above. That is so specific. But that's what feels good. That's why people set their thermostats to 72 degrees. That's, that's what it is. I don't know. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a weather snob. I like 72 and uh, I like partly cloudy because like, you know that awesome feeling when there's a cloud and then the sun comes out and you're like, ah, I like that. If it's sunny all the time, you don't get that. So I like partly cloudy. It's been a weird like mixture like in terms of talking about you know the sun and clouds. It was a, very cloudy in January and now... It's been you know sunny, especially this week. Now today is a little bit more cloudier, but um, yeah, it's it's been a little bit weird. Well, we had a sunny week, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think that's that weird. Um, no, I, mean, I more <laughs> meant like how cloudy it was for that long stretch of time. Oh well, we're, we're in El Nino, so the entire pattern shifted. We don't we're not used to this in winter. Uh, the last two winters, three winters have been just absolutely uh, warm and sunny and weird. So, which I'm not complaining about. Mostly just dry. It's not even that they've been that warm. They've just not had uh, snowfall. So we're back to it, though. But this is not a meteorology show, believe it or not. We actually no. have a Super Bowl to discuss. <laughs> yes, we and do. And we're sitting here talking about clouds. So let's get no into clouds it. affecting this game. Yeah, no, it's an indoor game. Although there are fire alarms affecting this game. Yeah. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Here, facing off in Super Bowl 58, a marquee matchup, if you will. And uh, it will be overshadowed by the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey inevitable proposal that's coming and all the other uh, storylines that I can't stand. Everything seems to be adding up against the 49ers. Jack, who wins the game? Oh, getting right into predictions, are we? I like to start it off with the big one. You know? Um, okay. Um, it's like a it's like a research paper. You got to pre- present the thesis statement and then the supporting details. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I say the Chiefs are going to win this game, twenty seven twenty. Kansas City is on top. I was debating having the Chiefs win by double digits, um, but that that is the score I ultimately decided upon after some some hard thought. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to win it again, uh, and Kyle Shanahan will forever, you know be unable to win a Super Bowl. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of reasons the Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, we, we talked about it on the Monday show. The, the rushing game is going to be huge in this one. The Niners' run defense has looked suspect at best through the first two games uh, of the playoffs, yet they still managed to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not convinced the 49ers are going to be able to pass on this this elite Chiefs secondary. Um, I, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of concern 
for, for San Francisco. Sure, they have a very talented roster, but there are areas of the game you look at, and I think the Chiefs have a clear-cut advantage heading into the Super Bowl. I totally disagree. I think that it's more of a strength-on-strength situation. You have We've talked about it. I've mentioned it at length, the best assemblance of skill players I've ever seen on a field. And I, I think that's going to come in majorly into play with uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I almost called him Greg Kittle for some reason. I don't know why. George Kittle uh, and uh, Brandon Ayuk. And not to mention Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. McCaffrey on any te- uh, against any secondary is hard to cover. You had those three weapons around him. You're looking at it. It's basically impossible. And then what's their third receiver? Jennings? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and he's decent. He's he's not bad for, for a third receiver. So I, I think the Chiefs secondary has their work cut out for him. Obviously, they're talented as well. We've mentioned it all, all year long. The Chiefs defense has played well. But I, I think they have a really, really tall task ahead of them. And um, also, before we go any further, if you have any thoughts on the Super Bowl or any other topic we talk about, 610-683-4058 if you want to get your prediction in. For Chiefs Niners this weekend, if you want to tell us uh, who you're rooting for, if you want to tell us why. Um, I feel like this Super Bowl is a lot like a lot of American elections. Or it's not that like a lot of people are rooting for one team. It's like you just hate another team more. And I feel like that's what this Super Bowl has become. I just can't stand the Chiefs more than the 49ers. That's why I'm rooting for the Niners this year. Yeah, and also one of your favorite players being on San Francisco yeah. does help the case. One of my favorite coaches on, on Kansas City, though. So, so. Those, those two kind of balance out. But I do love McCaffrey. I'll probably yeah. be wearing my McCaffrey jersey. I figured that. Yeah. I figured that. Yeah. Should I wear a Panthers hat, too? Should I really be that yeah, guy? Yeah, be that guy. <laughs> embrace, embrace the role, Mitch. Embrace the role. So... um Look, I, I want to go back to your point, strength on the strength. Yes, the Niners have a fantastic assemblage of skill players. It's been the main talking point uh, about this team all year. Um, you know, giving the credit to the skill players and not necessarily to to the quarterback. I think everybody deserves credit. Um, you know, the Niners Except success. Except Brock Purdy. The, the Niners' success is not dependent on all just one guy, and that's you know, no team gets to the Super Bowl on the back of one player, or I should say, rarely does that happen uh, in the NFL. I, I think that it's. Going to be it's going to be tough for the Chiefs defense. I will absolutely agree with you there. It's probably the best group they've gone against all year. But, but the Chiefs, no matter who they've played, have looked dominant defensively. They have looked really good, no doubt about it. Steve Spagnuolo is a fantastic defensive coordinator for Kansas City, and I'm interested to see what they do. They went blitz heavy on Lamar in the AFC title game. I, I'm not sure that formula is going to work against Purdy. Better offensive line. Yeah, you know, better offensive line, especially and on the McCaffrey left side. McCaffrey picks up very well. He picks up blitzes very well. He does. And, and Purdy showed some impressive escapability against the Lions when he was getting blitzed. That one play where he, you know, evaded a pass rusher by ducking out of the oh, way. Oh, that was unbelievable. Spun, spun back and made a pass down the field. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. And that was incredible. Purdy made some big time plays in the second half of that game to get the Niners to the Super Bowl. So I don't have questions about Purdy's playmaking ability. I just think the Chiefs' defense is. Going to be able to control games like they've done all year. It's been their identity. The offense has not been dominant. It's been up and down. Sure, they've hit their stride come the playoffs, and that's been able to get them to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and I'll talk about one of the key players, I think, for why the Chiefs are going to win uh, in a little bit. Uh, but, man, oh, man, I think it's just inevitable that the Chiefs win. Uh, inevitable. It is, man. They got this It's going to be a game. Oh, it's going to be a game. I'm not saying it like it's going to be a blowout, but the Chiefs are going to win this game. I, I've had zero doubt in my mind that the Chiefs... No. Bills versus Steelers was inevitable. Like, the Bills winning was inevitable. That's inevitable. 
It's just a matter of how much. Dude, the 49ers can absolutely win this game if it's not rigged. I, I'm just saying, look, my gut my gut has been telling me there's no way that the Chiefs are going to lose this game. Okay. I, I, just how I feel. And it's, not, it's nothing, again, it's nothing about the 49ers. It's just, I don't know. If the whole, I don't know, if I say that, it makes it seem like it's rigged. What? But Because I don't think it is rigged. But what? Like, what were you going to say then? If the Chiefs, you know, if the Chiefs got this far, then how can they not finish the job what? with everything that surrounds them? <laughs> what about every team could say that. I mean, it's lost a Super Bowl. The Bengals got that far. The Eagles got that far. I'm more meant with the off the field stuff that surrounds oh, the Chiefs. Oh, oh, all that. Yeah, yeah. It's a marketing thing. That's that's why the Chiefs would win this game. I think the Niners are the better team. You talked at length. I mean, at nauseum about the Niners defense, and I don't hear you talking about them yet. Are the Chiefs going to score more than 20 points this game? Like, they, I don't think by could. much. They very well could. Sure, they could, but it's Kelsey and Pacheco against a really good defense. The defense, I, I don't yeah, think really you're good defense. About that I don't know. I don't. I think the Niners' defense has not looked good in the playoffs at all. It's looked night and day difference from the regular season defense we saw. How many points team. did they allow in the second half of the NFC Championship game? Seven. Three, seven. Yeah. What was the final score of that game? Thirty-four, thirty-one. Okay. Seven points. So seven points. Look, they're not going to be able to play the way they did in that. For, and, and you can't replicate what they did in the NFC title game against the Chiefs. Why not? You can't do that. Why? The, the Lions because have the better don't make mistakes. O- offense. The Lions have a better offense. Sure, they don't make the mistake. Actually, they do. All right? They have it in the playoffs. Dr- not yet. The Lions hadn't yet in the playoffs. But they did. Eventually, right? So it can change. That can change. There can be a mistake here or there. It can. But these two teams have not been the Chiefs have had some of the most the big-time mistakes we've seen. Week the one, they gave up a block, uh, a fake punt. Uh, MVS there drops a game-winning pass. Different team. Kadarius Tony lined up all sides. That's yeah, just that all happened the in the regular season. Okay. And the Lions hadn't made a playoff mistake until the second half of the NFC Championship game. Their third game. Their third game. It, it can change. Just because you don't make a mistake in two games or three games doesn't mean you're not going to make one the next game. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, have fully hit their stride. This is the peak of what this year's Chiefs team could have been. So they're going to play a perfect game. They're not going to drop a single pass. I can't say that. Everyone drops passes and makes stuff like that. But that's but I'm more that's what we're talking about. They're not going to create a single turnover? You don't think the Chiefs turn the ball over once? I think it's... Very plausible that that, that that doesn't happen. They didn't turn it over against Baltimore, and Baltimore had a better defense than San Francisco. I don't know if Baltimore had a better defense than I San would Francisco. absolutely say they had a better defense than uh, San Francisco. I don't know about that one. Absolutely. Ooh, I don't know about that one. I think it's close. I think, it's very I think close. there's no doubt in my mind this year the Ravens were a better defense than San Francisco. Disagree. Just look what happened when the two teams met head-to-head. Oh, that's, that's yeah. That's a good point. But uh, I think over the course of the season, I mean, San Francisco. Brock Purdy threw four picks in that game. Yeah, I understand because Brock Purdy's a bum. That's what I've been trying to tell you for four months. Brock Purdy is a certified bum. Card carrying bum. So you think a team with a bum quarterback is going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. He was very good that year. For two games. He was not good the whole year. He scored. uh, The offense had 13 points against the Raiders on Christmas. Uh, and then in the first half against Dallas in Week 17, they got shut out. Uh, and there was another... Uh, oh, the Atlanta game in the playoffs put up 15 total points. And that was, by the way, only because the ball like went off of the defender's knee when he tried to intercept it and Torrey Smith caught it. 
Nick Foles didn't play well for most of Brock Purdy can have a game, right? He, he's shown the ability to make some plays, like you said in that Detroit game. Yeah. But he's not a consistent, I mean, top-tier quarterback. Anyone can have a game. Uh, you know, Blake Bortles made it to an AFC championship game. Uh, and he had a, a good game in Pittsburgh. Put up 45 points. So. It, it can happen. Do we got a KUR notebook? It can. We do. We do. Let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, attention, KU students. Did you know undergraduate research and creativity gives you many of the resources needed to publish and present your work at regional, national, or international levels? To learn more, please visit www.kutztown.edu forward slash UGRC. You can also stay up to date on conferences and publication opportunities by following UGRC on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. Okay, you are. All right, back here on Heavy Hitters, talking all things Super Bowl 58. I have the Chiefs. Mitch has the Niners. We disagree. Um, and, look, I think Rasheed Rice is going to be a huge part of this game for Kansas City, a guy that not a lot of people, I think, are talking about as, as a key to this game going in. 938 yards, seven touchdowns on the year in his rookie campaign. Really only trailed Puka Nakua in terms of rookie receiver production. Uh, Rasheed Rice is going to have to be a big part of the Chiefs passing game if they're going to come out on top. You know, obviously the focus is going to be on Travis Kelsey, as it should be. He's been dominant in the playoffs of the Chiefs. But Rice is is a huge, huge part of what they like to do in the passing game, you know, especially underneath. Just give him the ball and get him in space and let him go to work. Uh, and MVS has had some situational big plays in the playoffs, too. Had that closing reception against Baltimore that sealed the deal and sent them to the Super Bowl. So, yes, these aren't the most flashy skill players, but in the postseason, when it's, matters mo- when it's mattered most, these guys have made the plays when the Chiefs have needed them to, and it's been the reason they've gotten to the Super Bowl in terms of offensive production. Uh, and, and I talked about the defense, not going down that rabbit hole again. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Yes, they might not be the better team on paper. Yes, they're underdogs. Uh, but, you know, they've been the underdogs all playoffs. They've been, you know, the underdogs going to Buffalo. The underdogs going to Baltimore. Guess what? They won both of those games. Uh, I don't see that changing. Make it three in a row for the underdog Kansas City Chiefs to embrace the role of the villain and win the Super Bowl yet again. Uh, what was the final score of that AFC Championship game? 17 to 10. 10. Yeah. 17 points. So they The Ravens the, the Chiefs had a formula and they executed it to perfection. And that formula obviously didn't include offensive production. And I, I, I they got think, 14 in the first quarter and then they knew what they had to do. It was a, it was always going to be a defensive game if the Chiefs wanted to win. So they put up 3 points in 3 quarters and you're fine with that? Down to the Super Bowl. So you're telling me that the Niners' defense was fine with giving up 24 in the first half? Yeah, they got to the Super Bowl, but that's not what they wanted, right? No, because they played an excellent second half. The Chiefs put up two touchdowns and then sat on their hands. That's not. And by the way, they didn't sit on their hands. They just couldn't score anymore. That's what happened. They couldn't score anymore. It's not like they just stopped like, oh, we just need to play defense from here. We know what we need to do. This is our formula. No, the formula always includes scoring more points. That always was about locking down Lamar and the Ravens. They oh, were never going to win a shootout goodness. of games. They were never going to win a... The Chiefs are a fumble on the one-yard line, and uh, e- even if the Ravens kick a field goal on that so you're going hypotheticals Lamar, for why the Chiefs could have been saying, the Super no, Bowl. I'm just saying, no, it's not hypothetical as to why they couldn't have made the Super Bowl. It's hypothetical to say the Chiefs were trying to score 
The Chiefs were trying to score, and they couldn't because their offense isn't that good. I'm not saying—okay, so yes, obviously the Chiefs are not going to lay down and say, what, we're going to punt every drive after the first quarter exactly. and try to hang on. They were obviously trying to score, but guess what? The Ravens' defense is elite, and they held them in check. But you know what? The Chiefs' defense is also pretty darn good and held Lamar Jackson in check and completely shut that offense down, and that's where they went to the Super Bowl. It was never going to be a slugfest, battle-it-out offensive game for I'm the Chiefs to win. I'm not saying it was going to be, but 17 points in a playoff game doesn't look con- convincing that doesn't look convincing and 31 points allowed by the Niners doesn't look convincing okay I understand that but seven of those in the second half seven so they they figured out what they had to do they they uh had a game plan they altered it they made their changes and they eventually their defense locked down they did they did what they had to do to get by so. And by the way, a whole host of offensive production in the second half. So, I mean, look, the Niners have had, I I would say that they've had their fair share of problems, especially up front in, the, in these playoffs. The defensive line is going to, I said on the Monday show, the defensive line is the X-factor group for San Francisco in this game. They cannot get bullied the way they did in the first two games. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I don't think the Chiefs offensive line is going to bully people. So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes hasn't got to touch a whole lot these playoffs. I know. So, I think the Niners are going to be the more physical team on Sunday. <laughs> they better be, because if they're they not, they're be. not winning. So, I think they absolutely will be. So, we will find out. But we this will take us to our first break. More Super Bowl talk ahead here on Heavy Hitters in hour number one on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR Kutztown. Welcome back in. It's Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. I'm Mitchell Smedley. That's Jack Heim. And you are picking up the phone, dialing 610-683-4058, 610-683-4058. If you want to get in on the Super Bowl conversation here, Super Bowl Sunday, just two days away. We got about, oh, 36 plus four. That's 40 hours until uh, the opening festivities of Super Bowl 58 on CBS. Um, I feel like a promo. Oh, God. CBS, man. This is not going to, like, I'm kind of glad I'm going to be out and maybe won't be able to hear Tony Romo and Jim Nance as much. Like, I'm so unexcited to hear the commentary of this game. So unexcited. And Jim, you look at Mahomes. I look at Mahomes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, can you believe that throw he just made, Jim? No, my favorite is when, like, there's a touchdown, right? Uh, and everyone's like freaking out, right? Like a second half, like lead change touchdown. Everyone's freaking out, and like, yeah. and the pass goes to the end zone, and it is caught for the touchdown by Kelsey. He got it, right? And then everyone's freaking out, and then they start showing the replay. Oh my goodness, Jim! He just absolutely went up and over Dre Greenlaw. This is unbelievable. We've never seen this, Jim. We've never seen this. And Jim, Travis Kelsey, this is just what he does. He's just, it's like, oh my goodness, dude, shut your mouth. But you have to, like, it could be like an off-target throw, and Kelsey goes up and makes, like, the most unbelievable catch. But you have to give credit to Patrick Mahomes. He lets this play happen. No one else in the league would be able to make this throw where his uh, receiver went over the middle and got you know bludgeoned and sent to the hospital no one else would be able to make that throw it's so biased so yeah i agree i agree so uh 49ers fans i i envy your strength listening to this uh this game get called i didn't even like i I don't even like kevin burkhart to tell you the truth on fox last year can't stand him he's not good 
I think Joe Davis should just do every major sporting event. No. <laughs> I love Joe Davis. No. He's better, he's better for baseball than football. Better I think he's a great football. football announcer. Better for baseball than football. What? I'm so glad he does not do the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. So. I think a Joe Davis Super Bowl would be absolutely insane. So, I mean, could you imagine? Uh, I don't, he doesn't have any, like, typical things. He exactly. Says, which is a good thing, by the way. That's a very good thing. Because that's what we hate on announcers for. Jim, oh my God. Or like Joe Buck, no flags. Like, you know, we always hate on the people that don't. What, what's Joe Davis's thing? The swing of his life. Justin Jefferson, the catch of his life. Like, that, that's really the only thing he's ever repeated. I like, I like Joe Davis. He did a, uh, the Eagles-Panthers game that actually I was at down in Carolina, 2021. And uh, the Eagles blocked a punt. And he had a, I don't know, he had a really great, like, call of it. I'll, I'll pull it up and show it to you later. But it's like, oh, and it's blocked! The Eagles on special teams! The play that... I'm doing a really bad job, but... Uh, he just has a hard voice to... I love his voice. Like, a hard voice to reenact. I, I yeah, no, no one can reenact his voice at all. I've never heard a good Joe Davis impression. Did you say... Oh, God, that's like the most boring name, man. Joe Davis. It's just so bland. <laughs> it's like John Smith. <laughs> Joe Davis. <laughs> yeah, like, like this is just, ugh. It sounds like the utility outfielder that you can't stand. Yeah, you know? he's like the guy who, Batting like, Batting for the it. Phillies, number 32, Joe Davis. He's like the last guy on your bench that you yeah. only have to use if, like, everybody's, like, either getting a rest he's that day. position like, player that comes on to pit. And look who's on the mound. It's Joe Davis. <laughs> yeah, everyone, like, gets excited if he gets a strikeout. Yeah. If he does nothing else productive. Struck him out! The career first strikeout for yeah. Joe Davis. Yeah. yeah, Joe Davis sounds like the guy who's like insane at defense or nothing else, or he can like run really fast and just. Oh, like, what a play by Davis! Cuts across and he made that diving <laughs> Jim, catch. Wait, Jim Nance. It is Davis, and he is in <laughs> on the touchdown. Gabe, the Gabe Davis touchdown. Yes. And it's caught. It is Davis, and he is in. Fires over the middle. Caught Davis again. <laughs> Oh man, that was a crazy game. Someone needs to edit in Photoshop in a picture of Joe Davis where wherever Gabe Davis was in that game. <laughs> Four touchdowns. It'd be insane. Oh man. All right. Um enough other- of uh Joe Davis talk on this Super Bowl show. Couple Super Bowl uh you know headlines that are not really pertaining to boring on the field. I guess it could Kind of relates on the field. I don't know. 49ers mantra for this game. They know talent alone won't win it. Uh, as they said, it was group. Whoever plays the best will. Wow. Rary. I mean, that is just so profound from the 49ers, man. Talent alone will win this game. Whoever plays the best will. That's right, that's right up there with um, <laughs> like the 49ers on offense, Jack, throughout this game. Like They, they could pass it a lot. Or they could throw it a lot. Or, or, or run, run it, it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they could run it. <laughs> They could run or pass, really. Like yeah, the both are options. on the table. Exactly. You know, which one will they do? <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> so oh my goodness. Oh my god. Uh four nine seven lineman Javon Hargrave finds himself in a similar spot from a year ago. A matchup in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, obviously spent last year with the Eagles, now Holy on smokes. the Bay Area with the 49ers. So he's looking to get a little payback personally. Yeah, yeah. He would like to uh actually win. So I don't like him. He went there and, and started trashing the Eagles culture, which actually he's kind of accurate about. But shut your <laughs> I mean, shut your mouth. I hate the Eagles culture as much as Javon Hargrave, but you don't get to say it, Javon. So, um, breaking news: okay. Chip Kelly is expected to become Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, I mean that is a crazy situation. We could definitely talk about that in terms of. Just saw that headline. Ohio State offensive coordinator. So the timeline here: they were 
hiring Bill O'Brien to come be the offensive coordinator. Breaking news this morning turns out that Bill O'Brien is going to go become the head coach of Boston College, um, replacing Jeff Halfley, who's now the defensive coordinator the for the Packers. Have won. Oh my goodness! I, I, that was Boston College, right? No, that was Cal. Oh, it was Cal and that was Cal and Stanford in that game. Oh, I thought it was the Bears is out of the field, and the Bears is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. <laughs> The Bears have won. Yeah. The Bears have won. His voice just sounds awful. I don't know that why point. why that ever happened. That might be the greatest phenomena in all of sports. How about the tuba player? Yeah, like you just have the whole band standing in the middle of the field while the player is trucking over members of the band to get to the end zone. It's like, what is happening? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's their yeah. eager face. <laughs> the poor, <laughs> the poor tuba player just gets bowled he over. Got, dude, the by tuba a got back. bent up. Oh my goodness! I mean, he got trucked by that guy trying to get to the end zone and win the game. It's like I don't care. You're not on the team. You're in the band. Get out of my way! I got to run through you. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so whose band was it? It was Stanford's band that was on the field. Okay, that I, no, I meant like who was home that game? I think it was. I think it was Cal. Okay. Huh. So, Maybe. so who won the game? Cal won the game. Cal won the game. I, I need to look this up. Stanford's band, why were they even there? It's not your stadium, dude. <laughs> the Bears have won! Oh my goodness. We gotta do a show where we just yeah. talk about the craziest moments in sports. November 20, 1982, UC Berkeley football team referred to as Cal was an improbable last second victory over Stanford when they complete five lateral passes around members of the Cardinal marching band who wandered onto the field a bit early to celebrate the upset they were sure their team had won. Could you imagine? Oh, oh, the band, the band would be canceled for the rest of the season. They Dude, like that has allowed. to be that has to be number 1 on the celebrating too soon charts. Oh my yeah. Number 1 has to be, right? Like the band is on the field while the game's still happening. I believe it's pronounced the band is out on the field. <laughs> okay, how did he not see it before that though? <laughs> That's what I've always wondered. <laughs> like, dude, the band does not take up a small portion like, of the field. Was he just looking at, like, the, the camera angle that they had, yeah. like, on the screen? Like, did you not he glance down looking? at the field and see what's going on around the play? And they're going to lateral back around the 20, but the band is down on the other end of the field. If they're not on the field. And now he's running down the sideline. He's running toward the band. <laughs> Yeah, if this, if this gets down the other end of the field, this could be a little concerning. <laughs> yeah. It is going to get down that end, and Cal's going to score. He's going to truck the tuba player. Oh, my goodness. That poor tuba player. He didn't sign up for that. Someone help that man. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. We've gotten off topic quite enough. Way off topic. Wow. We have got a round From out. Joe Davis to the Stanford band. This is your Super Bowl 58 oh. coverage. Yeah. We have got more Super Bowl 58 uh, news to talk about. Then we'll move on to NFL awards that happened last night. Boring. Break except out. for, uh, who is that, Key? Uh, yeah. From Key and Peel. Yes. What's his full name? Uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. That's a weird name. Yo, KMK. We're just going to let the silence build on that one? Um, yeah, sure. I don't okay. know. <laughs> um, what were you doing? <laughs> I was sending a text message. Ooh. So, um, let's see here. Um, Such a terrible person. He's texting during the show. Could you believe it? All right. We differed on who we think is going to win the Super Bowl. We talked about why. Um, anything else you've got on Super Bowl 58? Um, I can't. I can't. I cannot stand Taylor Swift. It's 
it's so overplayed. It was it was cool, whatever. Like the first week, I can't do it anymore. I'm just burnt out. Well, it'll be the last game you have to deal with it, at least for this season. for this season. Like if she gets a baseball team, I might jump off the roof. Probably be the Royals, I would assume. Why? Or one of the Cleveland teams. No, she's from Philly, though. <laughs> like, she's from Pennsylvania. No. Well, Travis is from Ohio, so he, he, I don't know if he's either a Cleveland fan or a uh, Cincinnati fan. Probably be the Reds, because he went to Cincinnati. D- d- is she able to formulate her own opinions? Why does it all have to be dependent on, on her man? Like, why I is that? Know. Let's get some feminism up in here. I, Mitch, I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. She's just a weirdo. So. Like, I don't like that she... Uh, by the way, did you see her at the Grammys? No. No? Or yep. whatever that award show was? I don't really know which one it was. I think it was the Grammys. Uh, just a, a disgusting little speech. Like, she didn't even thank people. Like, she didn't even thank anyone for, for like, her award. She just said, oh, my new album's coming out, guys, and just left. It was really odd. Um, I don't know. I, I think she's really annoying. I, I can't stand watching her. So. Or listening to her. Yeah. I, that's everyone's. I don't know. I, it doesn't. I don't know. She's out of touch. Like there, and she's she's perform or not performing, but she's speaking at the same award show where two of the most down to earth people, right, Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman, are, are. I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the in the audience there when they performed. I don't know if you saw that clip. I did. Um. Oh my goodness, those are two real people. I mean, Tracy Chapman. Uh. You know, her her rise to fame is is so crazy. I don't know if you've seen the the Wenley the stadium performance that she had that made her famous. I uh, made that song famous. No, I'm not. No, oh, it. it's actually a really interesting story where she wasn't even supposed to go on, but I hey, maybe it was Stevie Wonder. Like something was going on backstage that the next person wasn't ready, so like the producer just pointed at her and goes, "Go on and sing something else." And she just went out, didn't know what she was going to sing, brought out her guitar and just started playing "Fast Car," and that's how the song got popular. Wow. Yeah. Like I don't know. Her and Luke Combs, really cool people, and then you got Taylor Swift who just ah, doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. So, whatever. All right, um, I have one last thing. San Fran, I, okay. I feel like for the 49ers, this has to be the year, right? This I mean, group breaks through. There's next year. There is. They are bringing a lot of this core back next year, but nothing's guaranteed next year, right? Sure. Like, to get to the Super Bowl, a lot of things got to break right. I do like that they have a lot of youth, relatively to other teams we've seen. Like, it's yeah. not a last dance sort of thing. So, no, it's same with Kansas City, which is why we could probably see this matchup again in a couple of years. Oh. <gasps> So, boring. So boring. Yes. While the core of this team is going to be back next year, you know the window is not crazy long for this group, I don't think. You know How are we going to pay everybody for San Francisco? You dish out a huge contract to Bosa. You know, McCaffrey's going to be due after next year. Is he pregnant? <laughs> it's going to be due <laughs> I, for a I, I did contract. <laughs> okay. That's, that's better. That's more specific. So... Um, Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it either just has to be this year and m- maybe next year. You know, this group's going to be you know right there back at the top of the NFC next year, but there's no guarantees you can get back to the Super Bowl. So I feel like if it's going to break through with this core, I think it has to happen now. That's just my take. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's like I don't see a lot of teams quickly rising in the NFC. Maybe the Rams are an up-and-comer. Uh, the Lions could be here to stay. I, I really don't think so, though. Um, so many holes to fix on that team. I don't think they're going to be breaking through anytime soon. Really? You think a lot of holes on that team? On the Lions? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm Really, not really linebackers and just 
receiver depth is all they need. Receiver depth uh, needs more secondary help and another one or two defensive line pieces to fall into place. Uh, they're good at a lot of things. They're not dominant really at anything except the run. So I don't know. But uh, and I think the NFC East is in complete disarray. I would agree with that. Yeah. So and and the, so is the. I mean, if you think the East is bad, at least the Cowboys consistently make the playoffs. Like the the South is just utterly destroyed. The South has no hopes of sniffing a Super Bowl. So I really think it's going to continue to be the Niners conference. You yeah. could see the Packers. Packers Niners probably for the next few years. Packers Packers Niners Rams Lions. Yeah. I think I think that's a fair group. That's Maybe it. Seattle? No. Nope. If they can get a they can get, they can the get a real quarterback, fixed. but they're not going to. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Um any other Super Bowl stuff, or we can move on to the awards discussion? Uh, let's move on to the awards. All right, let's talk about it. Uh, a couple of quick hitters here. Browns defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz named the NFL assistant coach of the year uh, with his work with that Browns defense. Oh, Jim Schwartz. So Missed that guy. Name familiar for Eagles fans? Yeah. Yep. Where do the years go? Cowboys are hiring former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer as their defensive coordinator going forward into next year. Um, interesting hire. I don't know if I love it for Dallas, but it seems like a very Dallas hire. On it brand. really, like, nothing more Dallas than this. Right? Yeah. This feels Dallas. So, we'll see how it works it's out. It's just not good. Like, Bringing in former head coaches to be their defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a reason they get demoted, folks. So... Um, former Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale being hired as the Michigan Wolverines new defensive coordinator. So he's going to the college. Who names their son Wink? That's uh, just that's not his actual name. Oh, what I, is it? I don't know. Actually, I think it's I think it's Daniel. Maybe I could be wrong. It's a nice lateral move from let's, Daniel to Wink. Let's look it up. Dan Martindale. That's a good name if he stuck with it. Oh, it's Don. Don. Don Martindale. So. You know how, uh, sp- like in Spanish-speaking countries, like the the uh, word "don" is like, you know, like like "sir" or "mister." Yeah, yeah. I had a, a classmate one time. This is years ago. That insisted that we call him Don, and then his name. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, he, I don't what? even. I don't. I, I don't even know if he was Spanish at all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he insisted on it. Interesting. It's like I wouldn't be like, hey. Demand you to call me Mr. Mitch. <laughs> yeah, like, that's just weird. Yeah, it was weird. <sighs> All right, well, that is going to take us to our final break of hour number one. When we come back, we will continue to run through the NFL awards, and that should take us right up to our hourly break. Uh, so much more to talk about here on Heavy Hitters when we come back on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack Heim, as always, Mitchell Smedley, right along with me. And you, listener, you can call in and get your thoughts heard as well by dialing 610-683-4058. That's 610-683-4058. Whatever's on your mind that you want to talk about, we'll talk about it with you here on Heavy Hitters. Um, All right, Mitch. You know what I've been wondering, Jack? What? How did that bingo game end up going on Friday? Remember? Our caller had to hang up abruptly. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm wondering how that bingo game went. If we could get an update, that would be outstanding. Yeah, it would. I so. mean, I had bets on that game. <laughs> <laughs> I had a parlay. <laughs> I had uh, I had any time 062. I had a first 10 balls B7. <laughs> and I had a Ruben W. So I had a Ruben bingo. 
Anytime bingo win a Reuben. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Yeah, dude, I I was like I put a lot of money on that parlay. <laughs> Might have to call one eight hundred gambler. <laughs> Alrighty, back to NFL award conversation. We got the minor stuff out of the way. That was Let's... a really like crazy segment, by the way. Yeah, it was. That was that was all over the place. It was. I'll rein it back in. Really, really was. Um. All right, let's talk about awards. Let's get down to brass tacks here. Lamar Jackson wins his second MVP award. Had 3,678 passing yards on the year, 24 touchdowns to seven INTs, and added 821 yards on the ground, along with five rushing scores. A fantastic year for Lamar Jackson. I would say for the Ravens, too, but let's be real. It was a letdown losing to Kansas City at home in the AFC title game. Um, So, again, the... Lamar continues to rack up the individual accolades, but again, lacks the one major, um, you know, team accomplishment that being a championship, even a championship appearance. Exactly, hasn't even made it to a Super Bowl yet. Just not succeeding in the play. Like, there's a lot of teams that win a, a lot of playoff games. You're like, well, at least they're a consistent force. No, consistent yeah, this threat. is not the Ravens. Not the Ravens at all. I'd say that's like the Niners the last bunch of years. Yeah, I mean, what the Ravens have two wins in Lamar Jackson's era in the playoffs. Yep. Well, that's terrible. That is not good. Got to do better. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Felt like this is the year everything was going to come together for Baltimore, and had the color theory working for them and everything. They did, they did, but not, not to be, not to be for Baltimore. Um. All right. Any thoughts on Lamar winning the MVP? Or I mean, everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I don't like the. I don't like that the award show is so. Late after that, like I don't know. I think they try to make it a bigger spectacle than it's it is. not a spectacle at all because everyone knows how it's gonna go. So there was one I was surprised about. Which one? Comeback player of the year. Who won it? Joe Flacco. <laughs> that's that's just wrong. So that's so funny. <laughs> that's hilarious, dude. What does what does he have to do? I don't see Joe Flacco's number on an ambulance. <laughs> this is. Oh my! This is crazy. <laughs> That's just the wrong pick. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, I don't There's know. two different schools of thought on that. Like in terms of you know, you look at the on the field. Joe Flacco was a big part of the Browns going to the playoffs, but what Demar Hamlin had to battle back through was obviously, you know, yes, a long journey. It supersedes and, football. So, and also, I guess not in the eyes of the voters. You know, I mean. Rough playoffs for your comeback player of the year contestants. Yeah. Right? I mean, two pick sixes in a row and a uh, failed fake punt conversion for yeah. Lamar Hamlin. By the way, when I was watching that game, that Kansas City Bills game, um, I had, like, turned away from the TV because, uh, like, they were they were punting, right? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> my friend goes, fake punt to DeMar Hamlin! <laughs> And I go, all right, that's very fun. And then I turn and look at the and Jamal Hamlin's running the football. I'm like, what is happening? By the way, can we talk about that? That was probably the dumbest coaching decision of all the playoffs so Ever. far. Like, Ever. Like, I think that takes the cake in this year's playoffs, but yeah, that's it's up right there up with, there with, with uh, Dan Campbell. But that was just, I thought it was fake. I was like, there's no way. It's right up there with Georgia running a fake punt on a 4th and 11 with Justin Fields. Against Alabama in the SEC title game. Yeah. Like, that is in that group. It was like 
that's when I kind of had an idea that the the fix was in for the Chiefs because there's no way I thought like I thought the NFL script would have clearly let Demar Hamlin pick up a crucial fourth down. Bills go on to win because of Demar Hamlin, right? Like that was that's where I noticed the script was changed. You know, is that any is that like a conspiracy theory? I would say that's the moment it yes. sunk in for me. Oh, we got a call. All right, well we'll let Mitch talk to our lovely caller before we get them on the air. Um, yeah, Joe Flacco wins comeback player of the year. Big part of the Browns run of the playoffs. He went four and one in the five games he started. Uh, so yeah. All right, Mitch, who are we talking to here this afternoon? First caller, Super Bowl weekend. We're going to go John from Schnecksville. How we doing, John? Oh, please don't even get me started, Mitchell. It's, uh, you know, not the, the awards thing last night. Let's just be honest. Lamar's on an MVP. But I'll let that one go for the moment. You know, uh, to be comeback player, you typically have to play. So although the DeMar Hamlin story is an incredible story, so glad that that young man's alive. Um, being a comeback player needs to require actually playing. I'm fine so with that. I'll, yeah. I'll leave that one. I'll leave that one there. But the one that really got onto my skin, and I'll preface this by saying, yes, I am a Steelers fan. I know where you're going. How in God's name did T.J. Watt? Now, for a second time, get cheated out of Defensive Player of the Year. If you look who they selected, he had five more sacks. He had many more tackles for loss. He had more QB pressures. He had more interceptions, more fumble recoveries. He was just much more of an impact defensive player. And to, to, to take it one step further is that when the games really mattered down the end of the season, Miles Garrett was a no-show. So help me understand, once again, why T.J. Watt, got snubbed from that award. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. I, and that's a great point, John. Thank you very much for the call. As always, we appreciate it. Um, but I think there's another guy you could add to the list that got snubbed. I think Max Crosby was also a phenomenal candidate for Defensive Player of the Year from the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, he was incredible not only in pass rush, uh, but also as a run stopper, too. Was, I think I believe the best run, you know, run stopping end in all of football right up there with Miles Garrett, but his past you know, rush numbers were also good. Was top 10 in total pressures, top 10 in sacks. Uh, he was a beast this year for the Raiders, so I absolutely agree that T.J. Watt did get snubbed. I think Max Crosby was another guy who, who very well could have got the award, and I would have been okay with that. Look, Miles Garrett's an incredible defensive player. 14 sacks on the year, 42 total tackles. What he does as, as a stopper of the run, running game is truly incredible. But for this year, Miles Garrett should not have won Defensive Player of the Year. Absolutely agree with that take there, John. He is one of the best edge rushers in all of football. Miles Garrett is a big-time player for that Browns defense. But for this year and this year alone, not the Defensive Player of the Year. I think it should have been either one of the two, T.J. Watt or Max Crosby. That, that what about uh, Dallas's um, Devon? What's his? Demarcus Lawrence? No, the guy that had all the pick sixes. Deron Bland? Yes. He played some lockdown coverage this year. Dark horse candidate. You usually don't see it go to a DB. I know. I don't know why that is. It's, he had the pick sixes. That was it, though. To I mean, quote John from Schnecksville, help me understand why that is. I mean, Bland. If Buddy's playing lockdown coverage all year, like. Oh, the thing is, he wasn't playing fully lockdown no, coverage. No, I'm just saying in a, in a broader perspective. I'm just trying to open up the discussion to DBs. Like, if there is someone playing lockdown all season long, why aren't they in the conversation? It's not defensive lineman. I think year. the last time we saw a DB win defensive player of the year, I think was Stephon Gilmore when he won it with New England. I could be wrong. 
That seems right to me. That seems right. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, do, do it. Do it. Because um, I, I think there's a – I mean, where did Micah Parsons rank in stats compared to Miles Garrett? He was right around there, right? And what in terms of with like sacks, pressures, tackles for loss? I think TJ had five more sacks than than Watt. Or TJ had five more sacks than Garrett. I should say. Yeah, I know that. Um, tackles Watt had more. I'm going to double check that. I believe. What about Parsons? Mm, I don't. Know. I didn't look into Micah Parsons honestly. I didn't. And I, I don't like the Cowboys, but I mean Parsons was all the buzz for a while. I was right. Yes, 2019, Stephon Gilmore won it with the Patriots as a DB. So last DB to win it before him was Troy Palomalu uh, mm. in 2010. Okay. It just does not happen often. It is a defensive lineman's award usually. That's chalked. So, I mean, the list of players to win it since 2000 out of them being defensive backs. Four. So I got, I think I got five. Five since 2000 have been defensive backs. Those being... That's not as bad of a number as I thought it would. That's about one out of every five years. So, Stephon Gilmore in 2019. Troy Palomalu in 2010. Charles Woodson in 2009. Hmm. Uh, Bob Sanders with the Colts in 2007. And Ed Reed in 2004 okay. with the Ravens. So it used to be more common. Yeah, it did. But I, I, I think it's you know common to the trends of we don't have as many generational type defensive backs in the league anymore. You know, those a lot of those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Troy Palomalo, Charles Woodson, Ed Reed, all Hall of Famers. I, Bob Sanders might be. I don't know, actually, off the top of my head. I probably should know that. It's okay. Uh, even players like Chris Jones, they're pretty good. Um, I don't know. I feel like Miles Garrett was not the uh, not the best pick, though, to John's argument. T.J. Watt, definitely better. Yeah. And maybe some others as well. So, yeah, Bob Sanders is not a Hall of Famer, so. Okay. Yeah. Well. We do need a KR Notebook. Yeah, we do. So, let me read that to you real quick from the KR Notebook. Attention, KU community. All Kutztown University Department sending out small or large mailings will now need to be filed through mail services. The United States Postal Service is no longer accepting paperwork for mailings. Everything will need to be entered electronically by mail services, and mail services will need a detailed copy of all paperwork for mailings. Mailings that are dropped off at any post office without contacting mail services will be delayed or returned to Kutztown University. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Okay, rounding out hour number one, finishing our awards talk here in our jam-packed Hour number one, full of NFL discussion. We did all things Super Bowl 58. We gave our picks. Um, but if you missed that, you can listen back to it on Spotify uh, by searching Kutztown University Radio. That's where you can find this show and all past heavy hitters. Um, but Mitchie, we talked about Lamar winning the MVP. We talked about uh, the Defensive Player of the Year controversy. Comeback Player of the Year as well being Joe Flacco. Let's talk about the Offensive Player of the Year that being none other than the 49ers' own Christian McCaffrey. Yes. 1,459 yards on the year, 14 touchdowns, added 564 yards through the air along with seven more touchdowns. Domination. I was so hyped when I saw this, man. I was so hyped. So It could have been Tyreek Hill. 2,000 total scrimmage yards and 21 total touchdowns. What a year for CMC. Just incredible, man. The best running back in all of football, rightfully, the wins best, the offensive player of the year. Uh, the best offensive player in all of football, right? 
That's what the award's for. Yes. Um, this is an award that goes to quarterbacks often, right? Um, I think they try. Mm, I Actually, think they Cup try to differentiate it. Did yeah, I think they it? try to differentiate it to skill players because okay. the quarterback often MVP is more MVP. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. Christian McCaffrey was the MVP this year. I think we can all say that. I don't know. Lamar did have a pretty good year if you're looking at regular season. He had a good year, but I think McCaffrey was more valuable. So. Um, I mean, having having a, I mean, having 800 rushing yards at your quarterback is pretty pretty valuable. That's that's fine, but like, who made it further? Anyway, I know that's not how it works with the awards, but Christian McCaffrey, just a dominant player, a dominant year, and uh, I mean, court or not quarterbacks, running backs. We'd say typically only have three to four good years in the league. McCaffrey came into the year in seventeen, right? So he's gone yeah. seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. So that is uh, that's seven years, and he's winning Offensive Player of the Year. This guy is special. This guy is a talent we don't really see in the league anymore. And I'm so excited that he is getting a chance to play in his first Super Bowl. Could not be more ecstatic. Uh, could not be be more proud of Christian McCaffrey, my favorite player in the NFL. So, by the way, last quarterback to win the Offensive Player of the Year award, Patrick Mahomes, in 2018. What a shock! So, 2018. Yeah. That's weird, huh? It's, it's really gone back and forth. So, you know, since 2000, a lot of quarterbacks won in the in the early 2000s. Okay. You know, 2004, Peyton Manning, Brady in 07, Breeze in 08, Brady again in 10, Breeze in 11, Peyton Manning in 13, Newton and Ryan back-to-back in 15 and 16, and then Mahomes in 18 was the last to win it. Last four have all been skill players. Hmm. Okay. The last five, I should say. Sorry. Uh, yeah. 19, so. 20, 21, 22, 23. So last five, all skill position players that are not. How many not running quarterbacks? Backs? How many running A lot backs? of running backs. Really? Okay. So it's wide receivers are the, are the rarities then. Yeah. I mean, actually, three of the last five years have been receivers, but before that, the last receiver to win it was Jerry Rice in 93. Wow. So it was that's Je- crazy. Jefferson in 2022, Cooper Cup 2021, and Michael Thomas in 2019. Huh? So. Who was the running back in 20? Derrick Henry. Yep. Derrick hey, Henry. there you go. Put it on the board. I will give you. Let, let me see if you can guess 2017. Okay, 2017 offensive player of the year. It's a position player, right? Yes. Like a, that's a baseball term. It's a receiver. <laughs> no, not a receiver. No, it's got to be a running back then. Okay, you've narrowed it down. You've got the position. Let's All see right. if you get the player. Ooh, 2017. This guy Le'Veon was... Bell. No. Oh, I thought I had it. Like the guess. Uh e- no, Zeke was twenty sixteen, but Ryan won in twenty sixteen. That's weird. Yep. Um Oh man. AFC NFC. No, wait. Todd Gurley. Yes. Boom. It is Todd oh, Gurley. Yeah. Todd Gurley was, he was electric. He man. was cra- Dude, do you remember that year? Dude, he was do you so good. Remember that? He and then he fell dumb. off a cliff. Because he got hurt yeah. and that just ruined his I career. Know. Man. What was that? Like a, a Achilles? Um, did he hurt his Achilles? Was it Achilles or did he get like severe arthritis in his knee? Maybe it was arthritis. So, I, don't know. I don't know, man. That was a shame, dude. He was he so was great. good. He was great. He was incredible to watch in college at Georgia, came in the NFL. He was so good for the Rams, especially that 2017 year where he won that offensive player of the year. Yep. Um, man, oh man. It would have been fun to see him play out his full career. I'm proud I got that on the second guess. Yeah, it's like, I know. that's a name that's faded. I like exactly. I was trying to think like outside the box like that with the Le'Veon Bell pick. I like that pick. That right? was a good guess. That was a really good guess. I would not be shocked if he was like the runner up for that award. 
Uh, he he had a great year that year. Damn, unfortunately, it does not show you runner ups. Yeah. So so that was a good guess though, right? It was. Yeah. It was very good thought process there. And I was I was about to, to be like, oh, I don't know, AFC. Nope. Todd Gurley. How could I? Like I loved that last name. I loved being like, look at Gurley out there. <laughs> Anyways. We're almost coming to our hourly break, but never fear, a whole nother hour of heavy hitters coming your way. After the break, we'll be talking some MLB tidbits. Maybe we'll get into some NHL college hoops, right? Yes, sir. Sounds good to me. NHL finally back. It feels so good to finally be watching hockey after the All-Star break again. So, Jack, anything else before we step aside? No, we are good. We're going to step aside. See you in hour number two here on KUR. Welcome back in. It's heavy hitters. Mitchell Smedley and Jack Heim rocking with you on this Friday afternoon. 3 p.m. on the East Coast. That's That feels weird to say. But uh, this is our, our time, for now, at least. Yeah, I made a mistake. It's okay. We all do that. We all do that. Who knows? I mean, look, we're heading into the, the part of the sports calendar where there's not a lot to go on, right? So maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. If we don't have some Friday shows, it is what it is. That yeah. Monday 5 to 7 does seem consistent, though. So uh, Yes, Yep. Uh, after speaking of which, after Super Bowl Fifty Eight, the day after, um, yeah, decompress with us five to seven. I'll have you at four. Me and Josh uh, doing some backlash. Right? There's always someone to be pissed off at. Right? So, well, that's the that's kind of the tagline for the show. I'm very upset typically, uh, especially when Josh tells me that Johan Rojas could hit 15 home runs this year. That just doesn't make sense. Uh, let's get into some MLB tidbits. Why don't we, Jack? Uh, interesting one that I just saw today. Brandon Marsh had knee surgery and is expected to be ready for opening day. But why is he? Why did we? Why did we wait forever to get knee surgery throughout the? This just makes it more, even more imperative for me that you have to sign an outfield bat. Like, what if Brandon Marsh isn't good to go? What if, now you're having an outfield consisting of Nick Castellanos, Johan Rojas, and Simon Muziati? That's exciting. Simon Musiati. I just don't understand what this franchise is doing. Dave Dombrowski was on the WIP Morning Show. 94 WIP is the uh, flagship sports station down in in, uh, Philly. And, oh my goodness, he just seems so like, yeah, we're good. And we expect big things from Rojas. Oh, do you, Dave? I don't. So... Why is that? What What are you seeing in Johan Rojas that could give you any solace that he's going to be a contributing member of this team? Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. I think they're over-projecting their players this year. They're expecting Orion Kirkran to be this dominant force, and you don't know if he's going to be or not. I think he's going to improve. I don't know if he's going to be dominant, though. Uh, Pitchers with one pitch yeah, usually don't progress like that. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't know. Wheeler's getting older. Uh, by the way, that contract extension is going to happen. Uh, it's just so I didn't know this. If they did the extension before spring training, it would be a uh, salary hit on this year. Oh. Whereas if they do it after spring training starts, it doesn't affect his salary this year, which is like some like the uh, like the luxury tax thing. Gotcha. So that's a really interesting piece. So that'll probably happen uh, pretty quickly, but not right now uh, until spring training gets underway. And uh, the final thing I had Phillies wise is um, there's been apparently talks between Philly and Cleveland for a trade of Emmanuel... How do you say his last name? Classe? Yes. Okay. Classe. Classe. Uh, I think it would be a Class A pickup for the Phillies. 
Yeah. Look at that. But a lot uh, of the farm system would probably be going back to Cleveland in that deal. Well, so the holdup is uh, there's apparently been talks about players, and apparently the one piece that the Phillies are not willing to part with that Cleveland is asking for is Justin Crawford. And to which I say, Crawford, see ya! I don't want Justin Crawford. We have three Justin Crawfords in our system already. I don't need another one. Uh, I don't see the value of Justin Crawford. I don't think he has any power. And uh, he hits for some average. That's nice. And he's a little speedy. But I, I think that guy already exists in Johan Rojas. It exists in uh, Muziati and a couple other players in the Phillies farm system. I don't need Justin Crawford. I think it was a waste of a first-round pick. Much more excited for Aiden Miller coming up through the system. And uh, I would make the trade because uh, Class A, I believe, is under control for a few years yet. Yeah, he's got a really good contract, and that's why Cleveland's going to want a lot in return. Um, if there's an organization who knows how to get some good prospects through the door, it's definitely, it's definitely Cleveland through some trades, operating as a smaller market team. Um, yeah, I think that could certainly be an interesting fit. I have one more Phillies tidbit coming up in a little bit, uh, but I'll save that for then because I think it's, it's quite interesting, and it's going to be – Something that you would like to hear? Really? So, what is it? I'll just tell you now. Why okay. Not? Let's just let's you just, just teased me. I yeah, I did tease you. So, um, well, where did I put it in my notes here? I'm sorry. It's I had okay. it. There we go. Phillies could still most certainly be a player for one of the two major pitchers on the I've market. I've been telling you this, but it seems like that will only happen. According this. to David Dombrowski, uh, he said this on an interview on 94.1. Is it yes. WIP? Okay, so they sure call it 94 right. WIP. 94 WIP. Okay, great. Got that. Uh, got that all down. Uh, and Pat, the official name of the radio station, he did the interview on. Thinks it's it's a gift of a deal, or essentially the player falls into their laps. Yeah, I heard that. So again, the Phillies are not in a gung ho position where they're going to be the aggressors. They're going to sit back and pounce if it is uh, if it's the right time, the right fit, the right deal. And I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, because did you see the Yankees apparently offered Snell one hundred and sixty eight million dollars? Wow, that is and crazy. he and he said it was too low. <laughs> wow. I mean, what I mean, can we have some self-awareness here, Blake yeah, Snell? Like, can we get a grip on what your value is? I don't care if you're represented by Scott Boris. Let's live, in, let's live in reality and not fantasy land. I'm not giving you a dime above 150. We need that uh we need that Joe Pesci uh sound by Oh no 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 no. In reality. In reality. So, I mean, uh man, these players just it's outrageous. It right? is crazy like what they think the value of them of themselves is uh that being said we're talking about blake snell um let's just i'm gonna get right to the other piece of snell pitchers being montgomery and snell are more likely to sign earlier than the hitters just obviously because pitchers need more time in camp so i think a deal is going to happen between those two very well could happen probably this uh, week in less than a week yeah. yeah coming up probably by the latest by next thursday um you know pitchers and catchers reporting uh, i believe you know i know for the mets it's valentine's day i don't know what um, I think it is. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day for everyone. So, okay. I didn't know if it was the same day for everybody or some guys go later. Some guys are already down there. I know for the Mets. Yeah. Kodai Sanga's back. A lot of the young guys are, are working early. That's exactly what you like to see out of your younger guys get some extra work in who could be in, you know, some bigger roles this year than they were a year ago. Um, Isn't it weird, like, not having the WBC, like, not having all this buzz at the yeah. start of spring training this I year? I kind of like it. I it's like much every- more quiet and, and much more relaxed and, like, focusable. You know? I don't have to worry about losing Evan Diaz exactly. this season again, so, like, I'm well, chilling. Well, I'm good. See, you lost one of your stars for the year in the WBC. I lost mine uh, fielding a ground ball at first base, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. spring training is still a minefield you have to navigate. I also lost Andrew Painter. Andrew Painter. It's He's true. not here for another year. Injuries so. happen, man. I so. can't. I can't do it anymore. How are sports medicines not advanced enough to like get these things trending down at least? They're trending up. So. Trending up. Yeah, it's the way it's the way these pitchers are kind of taught, man. You know, you look at the, it's it's all about throwing the gas and less and less about control. It's why you see hit batsmen going up year in and year out. So it, it's a problem, and I I think eventually it's going to come to a crossroads, uh, and and could ultimately become a serious serious issue. Um, but with that being said, we will get back to our MLB discussion in just one moment as we have a message from. The KOR Notebook. Want KOR at your event? No problem. Go to www.kutztown.edu forward slash KUR. Find live events forward slash remotes. Read the reminders and fill out the form. Our promotional director or an eborn member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event. No exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, back here, hour number two, talking all things MLB. Mitch discussed some Philly tidbits that he had. I gave him one more that Philly fans could possibly be excited about. Um, well, I mean, the only reason I didn't mention that is because that's not them in on their exactly on the pitchers. That's just any franchise, right? If a deal falls into our lap. What I did find interesting about Dave Dombrowski is how much he hyped up the offer they gave to Yamamoto. And he said, you guys, like, people would be shocked by how much they gave. Apparently it was considerably more than the Dodgers. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, we already knew that. I already We already knew it was more. So the number I heard floated, what did he sign? A 300 mil? Three, 325. 325. So the Phillies apparently, I thought uh, it was rumored they offered 330 or 340. But uh, Dombrowski's comments said it might have been even more than that. So and he turned it down to go play yeah, in L.A. Makes sense. And now he's public enemy number one. It makes sense, man. No, I mean, it doesn't. Like he's he's worried about playing with like other Jap. Why not build the Japanese connection to Philadelphia? Like why not pave the way for others? Could. I don't get it, man. I don't know. I You're mean, playing with an inept franchise. The Dodgers are one of the most advanced organizations in baseball. They're inept. They don't win anything. So. What do they get swept this year? I'd be hard pressed to see that happen next year. Apparently, they might they might sign Tim Anderson. I can't do it, man. Like, if they haven't done enough this offseason, they might sign a guy who you put him in that franchise and what they do with hitters. You see what they did with Jason Hayward the last couple of years? They brought him back from career irrelevance to being a, a playable everyday outfielder again. You know, you get your hands on Tim Anderson. Oh my goodness, man. Ugh. Dodgers are going to win the World Series hate, this year. I hate the Dodgers. Dodgers are going to win the World Series. That's okay, though. It's like a foregone conclusion at this point. So, according to Bleacher Report, Dodgers projected add former MLB batting champion Tim Anderson. <laughs> Lovely. What were his numbers last year? Um, Not good. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, you know, you, you don't stumble to a batting title by accident. How old is he? 20... He's that young? No, I thought 30. he was in his 30s. He's 30. Okay, wow. That's younger than I thought. So, last year at a negative two war, batted 245. Um, oh, goodness. Whew. Not a good year. But it's just an ordinary, oh, my goodness. Not a, not a good year. Tim! Not a good year at all for Mr. Anderson. All right. Anyway, enough of talking about the Dodgers because um, they're frustrating. Um, let's talk about... A pitcher who called it a career. 
uh, breaking news of today. Two-time Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber retires, calling it quits on a solid big league career. Had a 34.0 career war, a 3.44 career ERA. Was really dominant from 2014 through 2018 with a 2.85 ERA in that stretch. uh, With three all-star appearances and the two Cy Youngs uh, from 2014 through 2018. And watching Kluber be the ace of that 2017 then-Indian squad was special, pitching to a 2.25 ERA with five complete games and three shutouts that season. It was absolutely a focal point of why that team went to the World Series and ultimately came up a run short. Um, I I think I worded that wrong. Um, You know, big part of why the team went to the World Series and for that group ultimately came up a run short of a championship. That's what I meant to say. But, yeah, Corey Kluber has retired. Uh, spent stops with Cleveland, Boston, and the Yankees along the way. Congratulations to him. So. You know, it is a good career. Yeah. So he was a good pitcher for a long time. Yes, he was. Credit to Corey. Corey! <laughs> hey, Corey, how you doing? Uh, I got a couple of Mets news. Uh, former Mets GM Billy Epler banned for the 2024 season due to uh, injured list violations that he committed last year with the team. Uh, Rob Manfred puts him on the ineligible list, or the I think the IL. Um, is that what it's called? I have to. It's look. still the IL. <laughs> it is still the IL. Yeah, the ineligible list. Boom. That's funny. So, he's getting put on the IL for IL violations. <laughs> yeah. Nice job. Oh man. So. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So what's the actual IL? Injured list. Injured. Yeah. So it used to be the DL. Yes, the disabled Apparently list. Apparently, we got woke on that one. Coming from a disabled guy, I don't. Eh, whatever. This is not a fight I'm going to pick. So, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So, how the world changes, Jack. How the world changes. Other Mets news. Uh, I've had dialogue with JD Martinez's camp to potentially come in and be a DH option. Both sides are not near a deal, but interest obviously seems apparent. Um, what? You said I have had dialogue. With- oh, sorry. Not what I meant. Um, <laughs> the like, Mets have had dialogue. Wow, look at Jack going out and getting into the field, man. <laughs> he's he's doing had, it. Mets have had dialogue with J.D. Martinez's camp. Both sides are not near a deal, but interest does seem apparent, is what I meant to say. Jack's a beat reporter, man. So I'm, I'm getting right into it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on the phones. Bringing the stories to you. Yeah. yeah actually, I walked into the studio the other day. Jack was working the phones, and it so, uh, seemed pretty heated. So I was on a Zoom meeting with... Uh, <laughs> With uh, Scott Boris discussing uh, a variety of things. Yeah, Jack was uh, throwing his hat in the ring on the Blake Snell idea. So, uh, what's what's the market looking like for Snell? What's, <laughs> He's what's going chewing on? Chewing off right now? the uh, the hundred sixty eight million. So, give me oh, part of that. My goodness, I'll take a million of that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take a million for helping broker the deal at any point. Sources so. close to the Mets say Jack Heim was the sole reason Blake <laughs> Snell signed with the Mets. Oh my goodness! I don't even want Snell to sign with us. To be completely honest, no. So. Why not? You don't want more pitching. I like more pitching. I just I don't know. You could always use more pitching. You know what's hilarious, by the way? What? Uh, so we've recapped the Dodgers off season at nauseum, right? Yes. Like how insane they are. Yeah, because they've still, been the only team pretty much doing consistently. Still spending players. considerably less than last year's Mets. So, which is funny. Well, yeah, because they've deferred all the money. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess that does factor in. So, you, know, you don't spend a billion dollars in one off season and be behind a team who spent, you know, three hundred, oh, I think fifty plus million last year to the Mets total, uh, in in you know payroll with the luxury taxes added on. 
But yeah, the Dodgers have deferred all the money. So like, you know, they're not paying it now. They're just going to have to pay it later. Yeah, what is the uh, – this is going to look really weird in, like, the 2030s Yeah, the and they Dodgers. deferred – like, they signed Teoscar Hernandez to a one-year deal. I'm pretty sure they deferred, like, 90% of that contract to, like, 2028. Mm. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I know they deferred a boatload of Otani's money. So does that mean the player doesn't get the money for, like, all those years? Uh, he gets paid $2 million per year. Wow. Plus endorsements, which is, like, $50 million oh. a year. So and then twenty twenty eight he'll get like so, so st- uh, starting in whenever I, I don't forget what year it starts but starting in whatever year he's going to get the rest of the money that he's owed per year that he would be getting now just get it then it's crazy that Shohei's getting two million dollars a year yeah yep two million a year for his on field play that's crazy <laughs> and then he'll get sixty eight for sitting on the couch yeah exactly so. <laughs> Man, look at all this Could money imagine? Could you imagine just being at home, being Shohei Otani's wife, right? She walks in, Shohei, $68 million came in the mail Boop. today. Boop. They just back up like a huge truck. <laughs> it's like that episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. Where they get all the money and they just dump it out of a dump truck. <laughs> Here you go. There's the $68 million you're owed. Mr. Otani, where we, Mr. Otani, where would you like us to put this uh, this truck of money, buddy? <laughs> Truck of money. Truck of money. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. All right, that's going to take us to our first break of hour number two. When we come back, more MLB talk ahead. I'll continue to talk about my Mets, what's going on with the free agent market, uh, and much, much more here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University. Okay, we're Kutztown. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. Okay, we're Kutztown. Jack, I'm Mitchell Smedley here with you rolling through the 3 p.m. hour. That just sounds wrong. All things MLB Talk here. We were going through the free agent discussions. You talked about your fills. I'm talking about my Mets. Talking about J.D. Martinez, possibly. Possibly becoming a New York Met. They have had dialogue being the Mets in Martinez's camps. Didn't they trade him away? No. J.D. Martinez? He was never a Met. Who am I thinking of? Sent him to San Francisco? Sent him to San Francisco. 2022 trade deadline. We got Darren Ruff. And who'd you give up? Um, Let's see. You have Thomas Apuki, J.D. Davis. Ah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, J.D. Davis. Okay. Do you remember J.D. Hammer? I do. Just popped into my head. You know what my favorite J.D. Davis memory was? What? Against the Phillies. Uh, um, You know, in the midst of that comeback in the ninth inning. No! Rift a double down the left field line to make it 7-5. Down uh, <laughs> the left field line, J.D. Davis with uh, a double. I can't stand how Gary Cohen talks. So. But it's out of here! Yeah, he's one of the... He's a very good announcer. No, he's not. He's won a lot of broadcasting awards. I, why? So like, how do people listen to him voluntarily? How do people listen? Listen listening to him my whole life, he's incredible. He's actually one of my broadcasting. Fly ball to the left field, and so. it's out of here. So. Like it sounds like he's like clenching his throat the entire time. It sounds like he's like being strangled. So we can agree to disagree. Tom McCarthy, Tom McCarthy had a down year in 2023, but he's like much better than Gary Cohen. Much better. Yeah, okay. not even close. By the way, I watched a 22 minute uh, John Cruck highlights. Video like announcer highlights of only 2022, and it still missed a bunch. He's so funny. Love John Crook. You came around on him, right? Yeah, he's all right. He's great. 
So he is what they call funny. Meh. No, he's funny. Yeah, I mean he's he's a homer, but he's funny. So <laughs> he's a homer. Yeah. Well, I mean he loves the Phillies. Yeah. So that's that's one thing about baseball. Like all of them are, because you have home team broadcasts. That's what it is. Some are, some what do you mean more, he's a homer? Like some are just more like biased than others. Is what I'm saying. No, they're they're all like they're all biased. Yeah, I mean they all have inherent bias because a lot of them played for the organization they're broadcasting for. But right, like, no, but some like are, it's some d- are just it's, more obviously biased than others. No, but it's designed to be a Phillies centered broadcast. It's designed to root for the Phillies. That's how it. Like that's I mean, what yeah, it everyone. Is. Yeah, like the Mets broadcast is obviously designed to root for the Mets. Right. So I think but, they're all homers. You know, you, Some of them just do a better job. Yeah, exactly. Some of them be- so do a better John job. John Crook's of, better at uh, associating with the fan base than maybe some others. John Crook's better to you. It seems like he's just way more Philly centered. But that's like the, tr- the the truth is all of them are. He's just better at it. So John Crook's amazing. Uh, you know who's not. Who? Ruben Amaro Jr. <laughs> Dude, he just like has outbursts during plays, and it's like John Crook does the same thing, but John Crook's like quiet about it, like underneath. The fact that Tom that guy's McCarthy. still allowed to be around the organization <laughs> is so funny, it's so stupid. <laughs> Ruben Amaro Jr. just like screams in the middle of a play, like there was a Trey Turner like single that was gonna win the game, but like before Tom McCarthy could even call the the play, like it was a line drive off of the pitcher's glove or whatever. And Tom McCarthy goes, line drive off of, and as he's like off of so-and-so's glove, Rudamaro just screams in the mic, yes! <laughs> like so high-pitched. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'll play the clip for you. It's so funny. Oh, my goodness gracious. And then, like, you know, but John Crook, like the very next uh, the very next day, there was a game-tying three-run home run by Bryce Harper in the ninth inning, which then the Phillies blew the game after that. Um, but John Crook, like... McCarthy's like, line drive down the right field line. And John Crook real quietly is like, stay fair, stay fair. And then Tom McCarthy, it's gone! It hit the pole! It hit the pole! You know, John Crook's just better than everybody else. Sorry, that was a rant. It's okay. A couple more things, and I want to discuss an article I found that was pretty interesting. Uh, Cubs and Bellinger reunion seems pretty likely at this stage. Uh, San Francisco, the Giants, though, however... Um, Don't count the Phillies out of Bellinger. Remains interested in Matt Chapman, uh, Cody Bellinger, or Blake Snell. Not be surprised to see one of those three guys go to San Francisco. Um, my lean is Matt Chapman right now. I think that makes sense. They need a third baseman. Chapman to San Francisco, I think, would be a logical, logical choice. Kind of going back out to where it all started. He started his career with Oakland, so would be going back out to the Bay Area. Um, Talked about Jordan Montgomery. Seems likely that, that, that he'll resign with the Rangers if both sides can agree on a number. Uh, at least that's what the current rumors have it as. Um, potentially, Boston could be an intriguing option if they can clear some money by trading Kenley Jansen. Um, all right, that's kind of all I got in terms of free agents. and, and uh, Why is this like the most situations? bustling week for the hot stove? So I know, it's weird. Um, but I want to talk about this article I found talking about franchise cornerstones um, oh, I saw forward. that. I didn't read it, but I saw that so, headline. A budding franchise cornerstone for every team. I, I thought this was interesting. The two parameters on this are the player has to be 25 years old or younger, uh, and they have have to either they've have to have debuted in the MLB prior to 2024, unless the player has already signed a long term contract prior to their debut. Um, all right, let's go through it. We'll start in the AL East and move our way through. 
Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's what a 25 shock. years old on the age of opening day. Um, interesting. We'll see how long he stays the Blue Jays. Only two years of club control left. Both sides are kind of, you know, they were working towards an extension back in 2021. Uh, but, you know, it's really simmered out since then, or fizzled out, I should say. Um, and it kind of stands at a weird, murky area right now. But Vladdy Jr. for the Blue Jays, I would agree with that. Yeah, duh. Or you can get some of these easy ones out of the, out of the way. Orioles, Gunnar Henderson. Wow, what a shock. Next. I was thinking either, yeah, Gunnar Henderson makes sense. I was thinking maybe either Adley, Adley or yeah. uh, maybe Jackson Holiday. No, he actually it's either Rushman or so. Henderson. Yeah, it makes sense. Gunnar, that's a good choice. Um, yeah, it says Jackson Holiday hasn't actually debuted yet. And Rush, wow, Rushman's already 26. Wow. Did not know that. And that's true. He was a college player, so he's huh. a little older. Okay. Um, thrived at Oregon Yeah, State. there's a um, Adley Rushman tackled Christian McCaffrey on a yep. punt return. Yeah. That's crazy. So kickoff. Yeah, Oregon State and Stanford. That's funny. Like, that is funny. That is just funny. <laughs> who would who would who would figure? They should they need to collaborate on something, right? Yeah. Hey, remember when I tackled you in college, <laughs> buddy? Now let's tackle this. And then they have like some product. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of funny though. Ray's junior Caminero, 30 or not 30, 20-year-old third baseman. Um so made his debut late last year. Could he be the next great Rays position player? Possibly. That's what this article thinks. Um, I mean, I don't really know who else this candidate could be, so yeah. I like it. You know, very well could have been Wander the Franco, but we all know what happened to him. Yeah, the Rays don't need their cornerstone. They just find guys that work. They do. Red Sox, Tristan Casas, the first baseman. Yep. Uh, 24 makes sense, really one of the pre- you know predominant young hitters in that lineup. The Yankees, Anthony Volpe, uh, the <clears> 22-year-old <throat> <Okay>. shortstop. So. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, actually, Juan Soto would qualify if he signed an extension with the Yankees. Yeah, I would say. So, all right, let's move on to the AL Central. A couple of obvious ones in terms of the, the Royals. We'll talk about Cleveland, though. Andres Jimenez, 25-year-old second baseman. Um, I, th- I, th- I mean, Jose Ramirez is older, but he is the face of the franchise currently. Yeah, Jimenez has been good, though. So, he has. Coming over from the Mets in that deal with Francisco Lindor. Finished fourth in AL MVP voting in 2022. Last year, a little bit of a down year. Still want to go glove. Uh, but he signed through 2029, so this is kind of the guy they're looking at going forward. Yep. Along with J Ram. Royals, Bobby Wood Jr. That's easy. Duh. No need to talk about that any further. The Tigers, Riley Green. A lot of options could have went with here. The yeah. outfielder, Riley Green. Could have went Spencer Torkelson. I thought Torkelson. Riley Green was on the Reds. No, no. So you could have went Spencer Torkelson, Colt Keith, who they just signed. Kerry Carpenter was very good for the Tigers last year. A lot of options, but. They go Riley Green. I am not going to have any complaints about it. Twins, an interesting one. A guy a lot of people forgot about. Royce Lewis, who was a top five prospect in all of MLB at one point, has had a lot of injury issues. Tore his ACL twice wow. um, at only age 24. Injuries have been a big-time problem for him. But, but when he's been on the field, Was he, he the been guy that hit electric. two home runs in yes, the he did. playoff game? Yep. Yeah, I thought I knew the name. So they've been kind of waiting for a position player superstar. Thought it was going to be Buxton, but he is not developed into that. Right now, Lewis could be that guy if he stays on the field at only 24 years old. Right there at the corner spot at third base, right along with Correa at short. Remember that time the Mets signed Carlos Correa? Oh, I'm so glad he didn't. <laughs> I am so <laughs> glad that, that would have just added like to that. the misery. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 100%. White Sox, Andrew Vaughn, the former third overall draft pick. Um, okay. I think that's fine. Colson Montgomery's an interesting prospect to look out for. He's ninth in the MLB's pipeline rankings um, as an outfielder. 
Uh, easy. I don't know. Outfielder, maybe third base. I forget what position he is. But, um, yeah, I like that pick with, with Vaughn. AL West, let's start with the Angels. Which one do you think this is going to be? With the Angels? Yeah. Uh, Logan O'Hoppy. Yes. Boom. Logan O'Hoppy, the 24-year-old I'm, My guessing catcher. is on today. So Could have been Mickey Moniak. Another interesting player, a couple of interesting ones. Zach Neto, shortstop, or uh, Nolan Shanwell. He was the, he was a pick in last year's draft, and he made the MLB. Wow. Picked in 2023, and he debuted last year for the Angels already at first base. That is crazy. Um, Astros near Diaz at the catcher spot, 25 years old. I think this is very fair in terms of cornerstones going forward. Um, you know, without Tuve, Bregman, Alvarez all getting up there, and they're well over the age of 25 already. Um, it makes sense. With Yanir Diaz at the backstop trying to take over, uh, you know, from uh, Martin Maldonado at that spot to be the full-time Cheater. So, all right, Athletics, Zach Giloff, I think is how you say this dude's name. Hopefully. it's He plays the Athletics. Kind of irrelevant. Yeah. So. Um, Mariners, Julio Rodriguez, I mean, that's obvious, right? I mean, this guy is incredible. That one surprises me. Really? No. <laughs> so... And the Rangers, Evan Carter, the 21-year-old outfielder who um, won the World Series last year at just 20 years old. He was uh, crazy good for them in the postseason. Oh, my, oh, my. That's crazy. It is that this team's already that good, and they have so much talent coming up still. Still, Wyatt Lankford was the fourth overall pick in 2021. Not even on the team yet. It's just insanity. All right, let's go to the NL East. Starting off with the Braves, who would have thought? Actually, what, who do you think your guess is? Oh, man. Uh, Michael Harris? No. No? None other. Wait, wait, wait. Austin Riley. No. Oh. I like is that he over 25? Too. I think so. Wait, is it a pitcher? Yes. Wow, didn't Kyle Wright? They traded him. Oh, missed that. I don't know. Spencer Strider. Oh, oh. <laughs> how is he under 25 still? He is 25 years old. Wow. On opening day. That's crazy. Marlins starting pitcher we Yuri Perez. Strider. Oh, I Sorry. like the Mets one. Yuri Perez starting pitcher, 20 years old for the Marlins. I think that makes as much sense as any. Sure. Um, for them, he is a flamethrower, man. This dude throws gas. But, uh, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's a good pick. Mets, Francisco Alvarez, the 22-year-old catcher. Love that pick. Showed some serious pop last year, hitting over 20 homer runs. I think he's uh, well in line to take another step forward this year. Uh, love the work ethic on this guy, man. Just watching him come up through the system. He has just, you know, to improve defensively from where he was as, as a youngster when the Mets signed him in the international ranks. He is going to be a big part of this Mets team going forward, for sure. I, I think that's a slam dunk pick in terms of players under 25 in the Mets. Being Francisco Alvarez. National C.J. Abrams, one of the main return pieces of the Juan Soto deal um, at 23 years old. Very good. He's a very fast player. Uh, steals a lot of bags. Uh, they, they're seeing continuing to see him grow more and more. Phillies, let's get your guess, Mitchie. Uh, the Phillies, so he had to debut an under 25? Correct. Bryson Stott. No. Mm. Had to debut. Position player or pitcher? Pitcher. Ew. Ranger? No. No? He's older than 25. Uh, don't tell me it's a bullpen guy. 
You want me to tell you? No. Is it a bullpen guy? Uh, that would give it away. Yes. Orion Kirkeran. It is Orion That's Kirkeran. the dumbest pick I've ever heard in my life, dude. This is <laughs> this is a dumb list. And Mitch is gone. What is this list? <laughs> he, he cannot fathom that it was Orion Kirkeran. He's out of here. It was Kirkeran. Um, he's only one of three Phillies, 25 or under on the current roster. So I guess if we could have got that explanation. Mitch, there's not a lot of options to choose from. Who else is there? Well, he's only one of three Phillies 25 or under on the current roster. Okay, I guess it's not going to be Johan Rojas. So Andrew Painter and Mick Abel are are both starting pitchers ranked in the top 50. They have yet to debut. Yeah, they're yet to debut. Wait, um, so who's so the other players under count. 25, though? Yeah, I think it's just those two. No, you said uh, there's three. Yeah, on the current roster, I think being the 40-man roster. What? Nah, well, Rojas is young. Would and uh, Is he 25? Sure. I don't know. Let's look. Let's look up how old Bryson Stott is. I think he's 26. How old is Bryson Stott? Bryson Stott is 26 years old. Oh. How old is Brandon Marsh? <laughs> Oops, I typed in John Rojas. <laughs> Brandon Marsh is 27 years old. What? How is Marsh 27? That shocks me. 23, Rojas. How old is, is Jeff Hoffman? He's 32, I think. Oh, you were wrong. That's wow. all right. So there's not uh, there's not a lot of options. Slim Pickens. Who's so, the other one? So Kirk it's Rain. it's Kirkran, Rojas. No starting pitchers. Uh, I mean Sanchez. Maybe he would be the only possible one. Only possible, right? Lineup wise, how I mean, old is Christopher Sanchez? Christopher Sanchez is 28 years old. Oh, so. maybe it's at I'm not going to look it no, up. No, it's not at Mundo. Really? I, th- I don't think so. Oh, no. He's been in the league for a while. He threw the ball at the ump. Yeah, he's older. Yeah. Um, I don't know who it could be then. Yeah, I don't know. Derek Hall? Don't really have a lot of options. Derek Hall? Oh, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How could I forget about Derek Hall? Long ball D-A- Derek Hall. <laughs> D-A-R-I-C-K. Oh, it's Derek? Yeah. <laughs> It's not even, yeah, he spells it dumb. That's so stupid. So, all right, let's move on to the Central. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize how dunk. old the Phillies are. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Maybe they do need Justin Crawford. That's Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm telling you the window is, when you were going on and on and on about this team is a w- long window. Well, they do. For Look, a long Bryce time. Stott's 26. Let's not act like he's like 40, all right? No. <laughs> he's 26, one year away from eligibility from this list. So's Alec Bohm, all right? Harper's here for eight years. Turner's here for 10 more years. Like, Wheeler's going to be here for another four or five Nola's going to be here for, oh, dear God, seven more years. Oh, my God. Okay. We can really quickly go through the NL Central. Yeah. All these make sense. Jackson Chorio for the Brewers, the okay. second-ranked prospect of baseball. He signed an eight-year extension before he debuted. Makes sense for him. Yeah, duh. Cardinals, Jordan Walker, um, 21-year-old <laughs> outfielder. That makes sense. Didn't he debuted with them out. last year. Um, oh, we'll see. But that makes sense. Pete Carr Armstrong with the Cubs. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about this. So he's the Cubs. Was he with the Mets at one point? Yeah. What they trade him? him for, Jack? Javi Baez. Oh! I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> O'Neill Cruz to the Pirates. Um, yeah, duh. Paul Skeens will take it eventually, but, you know, he hasn't debuted yet. So. Skeens, man. And for the Reds, it's Ellie De La Cruz. It's, such a, it's Matt McClain. So, D-backs, Corbin Carroll. Do we need to say more? No. Not really. Dodgers, Yoshinubu Yamamoto. Everyone <laughs> yeah. saw that coming. Duh. Giants, Jung-Ho Lee. 
Again, everyone Easy. saw that coming. And the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr., wow. 25 years old. That makes a lot of sense. What a daring pick. And then the Rockies is Ezekiel Tovar, the 22-year-old shortstop. Ezekiel! So, pretty uh, pretty straightforward name? list there. Just gave us something to talk about. Tony! Um, but, however, that will take us to our final break of the show today. When we come back, some college basketball discussion loosely, and if time permits, some light NHL touch. Uh, some light NHL talk, I should say, I gonna say. as well. Um, we'll be back here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University. Okay, you are. Welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim on for the final segment of today's show with some music that really does not reflect the vibe of Super Bowl Sunday. No, I thought it was just something nice and peaceful that'll play out, you know, getting ready for the weekend. But it's not a peaceful weekend. Like, this is a stressful time, you know. I would not qualify this as stressful Dude, time. the Super Bowl? Oh, everyone's stressed out there in the Super Bowl. You got to get the house ready. You got to... You... Yeah, it's if you're throwing a party. Yeah, if you're throwing a party. Like, think about the fan bases. The fan no. bases are stressed. I don't care. People I don't care getting, about the Super Bowl. People are getting proposed to. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't care about the Super Bowl. You don't care about the Super Bowl? <sighs> it's like, it's not my favorite Super Bowl. It's, it's like probably... lowest on the list, but it, it's still the Super Bowl. Yeah. Eh. What are you on? You know what this feels like? This feels like that first Christmas where um, not only do you know that, like, certain someone is not real. Um, yeah. But also, like, all of your other siblings have also found out finally. And now, like, the, the presents taper off. Do you know what I mean? Kind of. This is that. It just feels like I've seen this before. Yeah. It feels well, like. Because we have four years ago. I mean, yeah, exactly. But it feels like, you know, it's it's carbon copy. That Super Bowl just take out Jimmy Garoppolo and put in Brock Purdy. Yeah. Well, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's better than Raheem Mostert was. But Mostert <laughs> was had a dominant year that year. Yeah, he friend. was good. He was good. So, I mean, I don't know. It just feels no, like... No a, more Tyreek Hill. It feels like I've lived through this before with this Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and it's just like... And it, I guess it's because a lot of the players on the two teams are the same. Like, Mahomes is still there, and you have Debo with the Niners still, Fred Warner, George Kittle. Like, a lot of the yeah. stars of these players are the same from when it was four years ago. I have Chiefs burnout. So... I'm tired of the Chiefs. I'm tired of the Chiefs, too. But it... it Here's what it is. It's like the new damn Patriots. Yeah. Can't escape it. Yeah. Which parodies in this damn league. We just live through dynasty after dynasty. Let's talk about a more fun league. You want to talk yeah. NHL? Sure, we can talk NHL for a little bit. The Flyers snapped their five-game skid that they had going into the break. They've won the first two coming out of the All-Star break. A 2-1 to victory over, why can't I remember? Who did they play on Tuesday? That just totally evaded my mind. Um, I'll think of it. Oh, Florida over the Panthers. And a 4 nothing victory over the hot Winnipeg Jets last night. Looked like a dominating game. Uh, came out slow in the first game on Tuesday, but got their legs under them in the second period and, uh, and you know, tied it up and then eventually closed it out. Travis Konechny had a great game last night. Got in a fight real early in the game. Had a goal also in the first period. Um... Yeah, Travis Konechny is a tremendous, tremendous player. It's been amazing watching him grow over the last five years. And uh, couldn't be more excited. So the Flyers have uh, gotten away from their losing ways, and they're still in third place in the Metropolitan Division. They are. Islanders on their tails, though. Yep, right there. Four right points there. back with a game in hand. Yep. So uh, Despite, our minus, two games back. despite our minus 18 goal differential, <laughs> we're still right in the thick of the playoff race. <laughs> Oh, they are it. the uh, the Marlins of the NHL. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty fair, uh, pretty fair, pretty fair assessment. I would agree with that. 
As like much as Reds. you guys don't belong here, the Flyers do not belong in a playoff spot. So let's the, be honest. The Metro's just weird this year. A lot of that is in parts the Devils underperforming. Yeah, what's up with that? They man? they just don't have a goaltending situation figured out at all. They cannot figure out the goaltending, and it's a big problem for New Jersey. Who they, was the goalie? I just saw a clip today on my TikTok. Actually, guy was skating in and from beyond the blue line, fired it, and the goalie just missed it, and it's it was a goal. Was it Mike Smith? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. For the Devils? No, I don't know if it was for the Devils, but you talk about goalie situations. I just saw that today. I'll pull up the clip. I don't know. Yeah. I'll pull up the clip. So that's what's going on in the Metro. As much as the Rangers are scuffling, they are still in first. Four-point edge over Carolina. God, I hate the Hurricanes. Um, I love the Hurricanes. Dude, hat trick last night for the Hurricanes. I hate Carolina. Why? do. What's there to hate? I, I hate they're just so I hate the coach I hate everything about the team man they're a bunch of complainers bunch of jerks more like a bunch of whiners here's the clip so oh it's Carolina oh <laughs> Peter Kochekov <laughs> just let it in Sam Gerard <laughs> rips it from center ice and he scores when was this I don't know so it was Carolina that led up the goal. Yeah, against Colorado. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shot it from the red line and yeah, scored. Dude, watch it again. It's so funny. How's it even? What? What is happening? Did he just try to dump it in and he scored? I don't know. I think that's what, yeah. He just tried to dump it in and he scored a goal. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the weirdest goal you'll ever see. Yeah. One of. Well, no. The Flyers had a goal that um someone tried to dump it in. It went off the, the door to like the Zamboni area. And the, the goalie had gone out to play it behind the net. Went off the door of the Zamboni thing and then went from, like, behind the net to out in front of the net and went in. Oh, yeah, that happens. In some arenas, you have that weird, cur- like, carom yeah. that happens. If you hit the right spot of the Zamboni door, Yes, it just takes a weird I was bounce. watching that. No one could believe it. And it, it kicks crazy. right out to the front, and if somebody's there, you can just easily tap it in. No, no one or even just tapped it. It, it just, just went, went in. in? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, right. No, I love what you ever watch. Like, I spent hours watching like NHL oddities compilations. Yeah, I've watched those before. There's one. I think it was Brad Marchand on the on the Bruins. Just like like checked somebody, and like the glass just shattered, <laughs> just <laughs> fell through it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man, I love hockey. Hockey's fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, any other Metro tidbits you got? Or we want to just keep um, quickly making our way to New No, so it's Rangers, Panthers, Flyers, uh, Islanders, and then uh, is uh, it the Devils after them? Uh, Panthers are not in this division. I, I said the wrong Carolina name. Rangers, Hurricanes. <laughs> there we go. Flyers. Islanders. <laughs> I Penguins. Got my, got my Carolina teams mixed up. Penguins are in a really good spot. They yeah, they four are. Games, they have four games in hand on the Islanders, five games in hand on the Flyers, oh and they're seven goodness. points back. Wow. Seven points back of Philly, three points back of the oh Islanders. Oh, my goodness. So Pittsburgh has a chance to do a lot of damage and really vault themselves up the standings here. Crosby sucks. If they buddy. could, uh, if they could go on a nice little stretch here, who's behind the All Star break? Devils are in sixth. Yep. Caps in seventh, and Columbus is holding the. Yeah, seller. Columbus is eighth, like they have been for like the last ten years. Yeah, they're just not good. Yeah. So last time they were relevant was when they swept Tampa and then sprung the lightning into a dynasty run. So ah, twenty eighteen. Yeah. That was Artemi Panarin, and in that group led by John Tortorella. Yeah, man. John knows what's up. So. Going to the Atlantic, Boston's just doing what they do, man. They're just dominant. They're going to win this division again. We'll see if it results in an early playoff exit this year. Panthers, again, very strong team. Barkov, Sam Reinhardt, 
It's one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They lock down on defense, man. They are a great defensive team. They do. They they really do. Yeah. They don't let you enter the zone easily whatsoever. Toronto, solid offensively. The back end's always a question with this team. Tampa's having a kind of mediocre season. Red Wings right there with a wild card race, and then the just clump the Canadian Sabres and Senators together as in we love being in the bottom of this division because yeah. that's the way it's been for the last several years. Yeah, I mean the Panthers, though. I like I liked what I saw uh, watching them uh, when the Flyers played them. Scored an early goal, just didn't have uh, any offense as the game went on. But the defense, man, the only two goals the Flyers got uh, came on the rush. I forget who scored the first one, but Noah Cates, his second goal of the year was the game winner eventually. Wow. So... Yeah, I mean, just on the rush, that's the only way the Flyers were able to score. Some really nice – I think Faraby got the first one, or at least had an assist. He had a great – yeah, I think he had he had an assist because he had a tremendous pass. Um, it was really cool. So, Joel Faraby's always been one of my guys. I would love to talk about the Central, except this division stinks. <laughs> um, there's three good teams, and then there's everybody else. Uh, you have the, the Stars and the Avalanche tied at the top of this division with 68 points each. Um, the Jets at 65, and then a smooth drop-off to the Blues in fourth with 54. Um, any thoughts on the Central, Mitch? No. Okay. Um, before we get back to it, though, I have a quick message from the KUR Notebook. Do you now? I do. Have you heard about KU Bears grant funding? Nope. The purpose of the KU Bears program is to support faculty-student research pairs over the summer. The goals are for undergraduate students to develop the necessary skill set to become student researchers and to provide faculty members with paid student research assistance. Undergraduate students selected for the program will receive summer pay for research tasks assigned by a faculty supervisor. By assisting faculty members in their research, students selected for the program will obtain the knowledge and skills necessary for conducting advanced research in their field. To apply and learn more about KU Bears grant funding, please visit www.cutsend.edu forward slash UGRC and look under grants and sponsored projects. This message of community is brought to you by... The ready voice of Goodstand University, KUR. All right, rounding out our NHL discussion and giving you some brief college basketball tidbits heading into the weekend. Pacific, the Canucks, still the top dog in this division, having an incredible year under head coach Rick Tockett. The reigning cup champion, Golden Knights, right there amongst the top contenders in the West. And the impressive 16-game win streak, one shy of tying the 92-93 Penguins, or 93-94, one of those early 90s Penguins teams uh, at 17, was snapped by none other than Vegas with a 3-1 win for the Golden Knights. An impressive win streak for Edmonton after a dreadful start to the year. They are right there uh, in third in this division with 59 points. In the playoff race, and at the season ended today, they would be in meeting the Knights in the first round. Rematch of last year's second round. Yippee. So, um, anything else you got NHL-wise? Nope, just a couple games out of the break, so not a lot going on. All right. We haven't talked about. College basketball, um, we got some fun matchups for you this weekend, as we always do. Weekends provide some great games. Uh, Number 10, Illinois heading to Michigan State. That's one to keep your eye on. Ivy League in the mid-major level, Cornell and Yale, two undefeateds in conference play, both 6-0 and in Ivy League play, squaring off against each other. A monumental matchup here in early February uh, to give an edge to somebody to have first place in that conference. Uh, and that would do wonders for them going the rest of the way. Three strong contenders in the Ivy League this year. That's one to watch out for when we're getting closer to conference championship week. Cornell, Yale, and Princeton, all solid teams out there in the Ivy League. They're That's got to just- be rare, right? Yeah, I mean the Ivy League's usually not that deep. Usually they have usually one terrible. They usually have one really good team. Yeah, I guess Cornell's been good before. It's usually Yale and Princeton, and then but Cornell last year they were decent, but this year they're really really good. How gotcha. about the Big Red? So Andy Reid, <laughs> that's what they got. That's their thing. <laughs> so. Andy Reid plays for Cornell. <laughs> um, 
Auburn travels to the Swamp to take on Florida. Fun SEC showdown. Houston Auburn's going to win the basketball game. They are. They're really good this year. Bruce Pearl has that team in good shape. They whooped up on Alabama. Alabama loses. Uh, at home uh, during the week. I think it was Tuesday. Um, I still so. gotta find that clip because I feel like it, it. I feel like I think it's more popular than it is. Like I feel like he said it so much more, but it's probably just one, <laughs> one time that he said it. <laughs> Big out of conference matchup: Gonzaga travels to Rupp Arena to take on Kentucky. Ooh. That should be a fun one. Gonzaga is on the bubble. Their streak of making the tournament. Uh, you know they made it every year since That's 1998. Crazy. That's um, insane. So that is on the line. If they get a win at Kentucky, though, it would do wonders for boosting their resume. Top 15 showdown in Lawrence, Kansas. Baylor, the 13th-ranked Bears, travel to take on the 4th-ranked Jayhawks in a stacked Big 12. Six-ranked Volunteers of Tennessee going to College Station to take on the Aggies of Texas A&M and Arizona and Colorado out in the Pac-12. Notable matchups for the weekend. Just taking a look at some updated brackets. One line, Arizona's jumped up in the one I'm looking at right now to the one line. Uh, Purdue, UConn, and Houston still there. North Carolina falls to the two with that loss at home against Clemson during the week. Um, not much has not much has changed um, in terms of where these teams are projected to end up. Uh, I'm going to give you some notable, real quick notables along each seed line through the top four seeds. Obviously, Purdue, you have to look at their out of conference play. Have had the toughest schedule. I believe they have five wins against AP top ten teams this year. Uh, do Zach Eady and the Boilermakers. I've talked at length. Lance Jones has been a huge addition for that group out for, uh, from Southern Illinois through the portal. Arizona, led by Caleb Love, the UNC transfer. Pella Larson, Umar Balo, good core there with Tommy Lloyd leading the way as their coach. Danny Hurley and the Huskies, the reigning national champions. Tristan Newton, um, Donovan Klingen is a big part of what they do, the 7-2 fo- or 7-2, uh, big man. He is huge, and so is Alex Caravan. The Huskies are rocking and rolling in Big East play. Uh, looking poised to be a big time contender to repeat as national champions. And Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars on the Houston. My goodness. Wow, that was a struggle. Houston, Houston Cougars. Cougars. There we go. Got that out clean that time. Uh, led by Jamal Shedd and LJ Cryer. Very solid offensive rebounding team. They are on the one line as well. Uh, should be a lock to get to the second weekend. I think they're just that fundamentally sound of a basketball team. Um, I'm going to give you some quick risers as well. Virginia and the ACC, they have risen up from being out of the bracket. Some brackets have them along that 8-9 line. Others have them at the 10. They are really on a roll right now, are the Cavaliers. Um, Indiana State, a mid-major group out of the MVC. We've seen Loyola Chicago go on runs out of that conference before in March Madness. With so much drama in the MVC. I'm, I'm never going to do that again. It's okay. <laughs> you know, we, we experiment with things sometimes, you know, like, you know, try new things and it just doesn't work. Yeah. So. You know what I'm quoting, right? Uh, I believe so. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. With so much drama in the MVC. Um, yeah. But that, I mean, Tennessee's in a good spot too, by the way. I know you like to hear that, Mitchie. What? The Vols. Good spot. Oh, Tennessee. yeah. No, Dawson Connect. Ranked, bro. Yeah. Dawson Connect has, has been Projected huge to be a addition two seed? for that team. Right. Two seed? So, yes, sir. Yeah. Two seed. Let's go. Gets louder when I'm cheering on the volunteers and the big sky. So, big sky. Eastern Washington right now. Oh, leading yeah. the way. Oh, the yeah. Big sky. Gotta so. love the big sky. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Heavy Hitters. Have a great rest of your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Have go fun Niners. watching the Super Bowl, wherever you may be watching the Super Bowl. Mitchie says, go Niners. I'm impartial. Um, I, I just want to see a good game. Hey, yo. But go that's going to do it for us. Enjoy your weekend of sports, college basketball, NHL, and, of course, the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll be back here on Monday from 5 to 7.